What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I sat down with Sean Noriega, Hamstring Poppy, number one requested fan interview. Tied with Garrett Fear on the show today. Really great, insightful, entertaining conversation with him. Not surprisingly either. The dude's intelligent. The dude's funny. He's strong as fuck. Awesome interview with him. We also have our segments, Larry Wheel Did Something, and I go on Instagram Live and answer some questions. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about Rivalus. Visit Rivalus.net and fulfill your supplement needs, whether it be protein powder, creatine, brand-chain amino acids, pre-workout, you name it, they got it. All you got to do is put Angelo15 for the promo code, get 15% off of your order. They always got deals going on, get 15% off your order. The giveaways we had with the protein powder, people love the flavors, people love the cereal flavors, only positive feedback from that. So get yourself some protein too, 15% off. Also, visit twowhitelights.com, buy yourself a Two White Lights t-shirt. I love the t-shirts, people who bought them love it. If you're a wrestling fan, you should like it. Take a look at the t-shirt. Also, take a look at the blog. we got some really good blog posts. We talk about our origin stories, cover IPF Worlds, get into a few debates on powerlifting. Check it out, Two White Lights blog. And without further ado, here is Two White Lights. Monday, July 1st. I am flying solo today. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to jump right into the interview with Sean Noriega. Terrific interview with him. We talk about his origin story. We talk about his injury, how he's going to change his prep leading up to USAPL Raw Nationals. That's going to be in Lombard. We go into annoying things powerlifters say. We play a little fuck, Mary kill. Awesome, terrific interview. My lovely co-host isn't here. We could cover US, we could cover USPA Nationals, but we could do that next week. Let's get to the important stuff, and the important stuff is Mr. Noriega. Here he is. As promised, we got 83 kilogram lifter in the USAPL, 1750 plus total. Number two power lifter in the USAPL, but number one in our hearts. Hamstring Poppy, Strong Noriega. <laughs> I'm excited to have you on. How are you doing? We're on FaceTime right now. I see your beautiful face in man bun. Oh, thank you, man. It's nothing compared to yours. It's a little baby right now. Maybe in a few months I'll catch up. You may all total me, but I got the man bun. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take that to the grave. And the mustache. I can't, dude. I cannot grow respectable facial hair. You it's are atrocious. 21, correct? 23. 23. All right. So, in my family, because people see the facial hair right now. In my family, they think this shit is weird because I had a baby face up until I was like 25 years old. This yeah. took me six months to grow, so don't feel too bad. That's pathetic. Six months to grow this <laughs> fucking facial hair is a long-ass time, so you'll get there by the time you're out of the junior class, I guess. Yeah, man, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> first things first, man. How's the training going? Training's going great, man. You know, I'm recently, I guess, coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. Um... So as we spoke about earlier, I was not able to do IPF Worlds this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in about midway through April, um, I had an accident on the pitch shark, um, which for those of you who don't know is like a belt squat. And 
the way it works is there's a, there's a little lever, right, that you push in um, when you re-rack. You know, when you're done with your set, you push it in, and it catches the, the sled where the weights are all loaded onto. And it was originally set for someone taller than me, so I had to, like, kind of, like, do a little bit of a calf raise. I do that all the get time. get off of it. Yeah, I do that shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I was like, at first I tried to get off the rack, and I couldn't. And I was like, yeah, like, I'll just put in a little bit of extra effort to mm-hmm. get it off the rack and then put it back in. Um, then my last set, I ended up going up, you know, added another plate on top of what I had done for the prior sets. And I think it was just, like, difficult enough where you stop thinking as much and just kind of react and move without really putting much thought into being meticulous. And I went and pushed the, the lever in and just kind of, like, I would just, like, let go pretty hard and just let, you know, the... the weight fall onto the safety catch mm-hmm. so i did the same thing but it wasn't there so okay. i literally just went straight down i felt a pretty nasty pop in my knee and i ended up tearing my meniscus and just have a bunch of fluid build up and i'm kind of still getting back from that um you know after the injury i did a very aggressive sort of rehab like the day after i couldn't even like get up off the toilet without like clutching the fucking um countertop to lift myself up, but I just, I did literally whatever I could any given day. It could be squatting a bar, safety squat bar, squatting like 95 pounds. Like I just incrementally tried to progress without really pushing the pain, you know, the the pain threshold too high. And I'm pretty much back to normal now. Like it definitely, you know, took a little bit of a toll. And because of that, I was not really, it didn't make sense to me to do IPF worlds. Um, pain wise, it, it got a lot better really quick. It was always very achy, but manageable. I was never in any sort of excruciating pain. But just a lot of, like, little things kind of compounded. Like, I would, you know, be like a sharp pain, like, just that would come up out of nowhere. But overall, it was okay. But my thinking was, you know, there's no sense in getting ready, trying to get ready for a meet in five weeks that I'm, you know, not going to perform my best in. Um, I was ultimately going to be competing in the juniors, and... Like, not being not being cocky, not being, you know, overconfident, just not strictly looking at the numbers, because powerlifting is a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I could have won going in on openers. So it was not like there was much on the line that made it worth trying to push through an injury. So ultimately, Raw Nationals is the main goal. So pretty much once I got to the point where I was able to resume, like, regularly scheduled programming, um, I just got back to that because... Obviously, the goal is is raw nationals. So, at this point, I'm finally getting to the point where I don't really have to think about my knee as much when I'm squatting. It does hurt a lot, and there's a, there's a lot of fluid buildup um, that's been there for about you know ten weeks now that I have to be very cognizant of letting my knees travel forward because it will aggravate it a lot um, if my knees you know excessively drift forward which is not too much of a problem with how wide I squat, but I kind of have to even exaggerate it a little bit more. But, I mean, I have no complaints. I, you know, I gave myself my 24 hours of complaining about the injury and then just tried not to, you know, miss a beat, make up for lost time. And I don't really feel like I I missed out on too much. I mean, bench took off, deadlift took off, and and squats are almost getting back to normal. Um, Yeah, man, I mean... I'm just going to give these 16 weeks everything I have, and right now I'm feeling good, so there's a lot of momentum to build up. Yeah, I noticed that, too, with uh, right after you announced that you tore your meniscus, and 
I've been very fortunate so far in my short powerlifting career that I've never really suffered a injury that got me out of the gym for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it's always, like, just bullshit, like, back stuff and hip stuff that hurts for a week, then I'm fine. But yep. when I heard meniscus, I'm like, god damn, that sounds pretty brutal. Then most of the things that we do really yep. require knee strength. And then I saw you, like, two days later, Larson pressing, like, 405. <laughs> so when you say you could have won the juniors with your openers, yeah, I think you could have done that. Because if you're Larson pressing 405, you're good. <laughs> but we will discuss your prep leading up to Worlds, coming off an injury. But before we get into all that, how did Hamstring Poppy, Sean Noriega, get into powerlifting? Give a bit of a, your uh, origin story here. Yeah, for sure, man. So I think probably pretty common among, you know, the common trend or theme amongst a lot of, you know, higher-level powerlifters is they play a sport in mm-hmm. the past. So for me, I played baseball since I was three, four years old. Um, I will say you're like the first guy I've talked to that played baseball, then powerlifted. Because yeah. whenever I talk about baseball, there's a few so people that I know at the gym. Easiest way to get me off the converse, uh, or my uh, workout is talk to me about baseball. Yep. No one at the fucking gym wants to talk baseball. Yep. No one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, powerlifters yeah. don't fucking play baseball, huh? But I'm glad I met one. Yeah, man. It's the best sport on the planet. It's America's pastime. Agreed. <laughs> but yeah, man, I played baseball, and just like... With every sport, you know, you get to you get to high school. Um, obviously, you know, you're looking to get recruited, whether it's by a college or by a professional team. You're starting to come into your own physically. You know, you're 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 becoming more physically, you know, mature, muscular, and all those performance based, you know, aspects matter for your performance in a sport, right? So, like every coach, every you know strength and conditioning, you know, every strength and conditioning coach, every team coach is obviously going to start emphasizing um, getting stronger, getting faster, building more muscle for whatever sport you play in because it's it's going to be beneficial no matter what, um, especially, you know, if you're growing, you're developing, right, you're not going to, um, you know, you're not going to be able to compete as you get to the higher level if you're not taking care of stuff in the gym and not just, you know, your only source of, of practice or skill can't just be on the field or on the court or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I've just always been very, very competitive growing up. I was always one of, like, the bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic kids. Um, and there were, like, a group of us on my on my club team that were just very competitive with each other during our speed workouts or our conditioning workouts. So once the, you know, weight room element kind of got thrown into the mix, that was something that I kind of dominated in and – very quickly got like attracted to like it just became so much fun for me mm-hmm. um and i noticed very quickly like i would go on baseball tournaments like we'd go to you know we'd go to texas georgia florida and we'd be on the tournaments we'd play like a double header i'd be like man i want to go to the gym i want to go squat <laughs> i want to go deadlift whatever and you know i loved baseball growing up um like it was it was everything to me but i had a couple injuries in baseball that you know with each passing year, I kind of knew, like, all right, playing professional baseball, that aspiration is is kind of starting to dwindle. Playing D1 baseball is definitely still a possibility. Um, but then once I decided to, you know, go to MIT, I was like, all right, this level of baseball is obviously not what I want, right? This is this was a education-first decision. Really? I'm not MIT so- was education-first? <laughs> I, I, I assumed you went there for baseball. <laughs> 
Dude, I went there for baseball, man. I went there for baseball, water polo. No, they actually, they do Oh, no have... shit, you play water polo? No, I'm fucking Oh, fuck, that. man. I'm like, God, well, I, I'm, I'm just going to give a water polo a shout. That is a tough fucking sport. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, Those guys are like, beasts. You're treading water the whole time. Yeah, I, did it, I didn't know. When I watched water polo, a little bit of a tangent here. When I watched water polo for the first time, like, what the fuck is happening right now? What sport is this? I don't get it. Then I, they're like, no, we got to, like, float the entire time. Then I see their legs under the water. I'm like, what the hell sport is this? <laughs> this is the most, like, physically demanding sport I've ever seen. It is very difficult. I've never, you know, played outside of, I don't even know. I mean, I've probably played, like, once or twice, like, just fucking around. But anyway, um, no, man, I mean, I was realistic with myself. Like, I, I love baseball. I came in. I played the fall season. Like, mm-hmm. I played really well. But I just knew, like... For me, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for me to just do something for fun, right? Like there are a ton of kids who played all four years who like, you know, it was just it was enjoyable for them, right? They they love baseball and they play it for the fun of it. But for me, like I needed that that there needs to be a deeper level. There needs to be a progression. There needs to be you know stuff at stake, and it just wasn't there. And I mean that's to be expected with with any D three sport. Um, you're really not going to get that that high level competitiveness. Um, you know, the odds of it feeding into, you know, any sort of professional career afterward are incredibly low. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had school to focus on. So it made it really easy for me to take that, like, ooh, I really love lifting and I'm good at it sort of thing to say, okay, like, I'm real with myself. It's time to hang up the cleats. Like, I want to pursue this now. So, like I said, like, I was doing it for baseball for a while. I got really strong, but it kind of got to the point where, you know, I was almost enjoying the training more than the playing. And I've had that conversation with a ton of athletes who are just like, I enjoy preparing for the sport more than I do actually playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened so, very similar to me in high school as well, where that happened, where football, baseball player, but I'm like, man, I'm much better at weightlifting than I am football. <laughs> Actually, and I was much better at weightlifting than I was baseball, too, because I would think about going to the gym afterwards, but that was mostly because I was on a, the bench during, like, the fucking doubleheaders that we had, so... Uh, I'm a high school team, so I'm like, I had a lot of time to think about the gym, and I, and I saw the realization I wasn't gonna make the pros when I was in seventh grade, and found out that Felix Pa, and this is like a totally obscure Cubs player, uh, yeah. was drafted on the Cubs when he was 16. And I'm like, oh shit, that's four years from now. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be in the pros. I'm not being, on, I'm not gonna go to the major leagues. Yeah. So yeah, hit me in seventh grade. <laughs> I, I definitely had a. Uh... I definitely had those hopes, like, my entire life. Like, baseball was oh, who absolutely absolutely everything to me. Um, and then I ended up having elbow surgery. I ended up having hand surgery. And it just it just made it easier for me to, to kind of walk away from the sport. Um, I actually had a friend my senior year of high school. I guess this is when I first really got into powerlifting as a sport. Because, like I said, I lifted for baseball, but I was not following any sort of structure or really running in the same crowd as, you know, any actual lifters, mm-hmm. but I had a friend who he also play, he played baseball, football. He was my best friend's little brother, actually, who competed in like BS, like IPA meets. He was a raw lifter, but he just like IPA. Yeah, huh? It's like the Multiply Federation. Oh whatever. shit! Yeah, yeah, that's probably I never heard of it. Yep. So he competed in it, and there was like a local meet, like literally 15 minutes away from where I lived. And he's like, "You're strong. Like, sign up for it." And, like, I did my first meet. I didn't really, you know, the, I just trained the way that I was normally training. Took the typical, you know, 
you learn from the forums, take a week off sort of deal, you know, just rested the whole week, had a good meet, and, like, from that point on, it wasn't even, like, a, it's not even, a, it wasn't even a good first meet. Like, it was mm-hmm. a, you know, it was some really sloppy run, like, local IPA meet. Like I said, it was just, but something, you know, just something about it, obviously, the, the inherent, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The inherent, like, allure of the sport for me is what kept me in it. So, like I said, like, I played the fall season of baseball at MIT, and then I was like, you know what, like, I've been training hard, like, I think I could be good at this. I ended up hiring Joey, and then going into the spring, I told the coaches at MIT, you know, I'm done playing baseball, like, I don't love it um, the way that I used to. Like, Mm -hmm. I still, you know, it still is a huge passion for me, but I am not going to just spend four years just playing for fun. Um, So I quit. And okay. I never, yeah, I never looked back. I mean, I did a meet with Joey like a month before I quit, and I, it just went so well that I was like, "All right, I made the right decision. Let me stick to this." Mm-hmm. You've been competing for a while, then. You said seventeen years old was your first meet. Yeah, so my senior year of high school was my first meet. Um, so I guess wow, you know, almost six years now. Yeah, I competed November of twenty thirteen. That was my first meet. All right, so you kind of got that like or or like that like wave of powerlifting becoming super popular but yeah. then kind of seeing it slowly grow with social media and the advent of that which makes me wonder how did you get involved with such a good coach as a joey flex um so it's actually it's actually kind of funny because joey and i have this conversation a lot um i think 2015 raw nats really was the year that made the sport take off um because you know raw lifting had only really been like even remotely participated in as much as equip lifting for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the previous year's meet was held in, um, it was held in Denver, Colorado. And I think there were like a couple hundred lifters tops and like people, people, you know, people watched it. There were strong lifters there, you know, Lane Norton at the time, Lane Norton, Bryce Lewis were 93s. Um, Johnny Candido, Josh Hyaduck, like I'm just thinking of all the, mm-hmm. you know, the people who were strong, um, you know, back then, but 2015 was really the year that kind of, it took off both because of the talent pool and then also because of social media. Um, you know, that was a, that was the first year Jesse Norris and John Hack had done raw nationals and powerlifting, I think outside of the USAPL kind of was big. And then you had like these two, you know, studs, John and Jesse, come and compete in the USAPL. And you know, I think the membership, or not the membership, but the the attendance, the roster at Raw Nationals the following year, like double, like it was a thousand the following year. Yeah. Um, but Joey and I talk about all the time how like we essentially came up together. Like Joey was not a big coach when I came in. In fact, I was his literal first online client. No shit, did not know I, that. Yeah, man. Huh. I don't. I don't know how I stumbled upon him. I don't know what specifically made me choose him. I just remember I was going through Instagram at the time. I had been running the Cube Method, mm-hmm. Brandon Lilly's program. Wasn't really making any progress. Was kind of just like, uh, this is you know. I was I was passionate about it, but was getting frustrated with the lack of direction. And I stumbled across he posted like a picture of himself from a competition and had this long paragraph about how he was offering coaching and dude i don't know i don't know what made me say like this is the guy but 
I emailed him. We started working together. And then it kind of just, like, he built a lot of momentum off of that. Um, like, I did pretty well in my, you know, meets leading in the Raw Nationals that year. Um, John Hack reached out to me. He was like, hey, man, like, I see, you know, all this Joey Flex shit on social media. Like, is he a good coach? I was like, yeah, man, he's great. Um, so then John started working with Joey. And then kind of as social media, you know, took over as the, the way the media, you know, the medium of representing the sport, um, Joey was just very savvy and, like, capitalized on the, mm-hmm. on the on the moment right there and, and kind of has over the years built his, his army, his team, his brand. Um, and I've kind of done the same alongside him. Like I was, I had been learning a lot of stuff from a coach prior that, you know, that coached me in, in, um, in baseball and had coached me in, in lifting for sports. Um, and kind of with Joey, like learned from him and then also, you know, eventually became a coach. Like I started coaching people for free, that year going into Raw National, spent two years of doing that, just mm-hmm. learning everything I could. And, you know, at this point, like, he coaches a massive team. I coach a massive team. So it's it's funny. We always talk about how, like, you know, he, you know, I wasn't big. He wasn't big. And, and it just – it happened pretty much at the right time, honestly, because that literally was the year that, like, Raw powerlifting and powerlifting as this social media dominated sport really just kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the, some of the names you mentioned within the like 2015, 2016 kind of class, because that's when I started, was 2016. Gotcha. And I actually had like a pretty good resource to go to as far as powerlifting goes. Because, mm-hmm. granted, like when I first started, I wasn't really on social media too much. I just, a lot of it was YouTube, and I was like kind of into bodybuilding. But Lane yeah. Norton was probably the one of the first video logs I've watched, and I've been running his program since I started powerlifting. Um, yeah, that's crazy, man. I noticed that. Yeah, I'm and it's... You're alive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, shit, after Nationals, uh, I already said on another podcast that I'm going to be looking for a coach. But um, the when I saw that, and then, like, you mentioned Candido, too, and Lewis, like, all those guys I knew coming in a little yeah. bit through YouTube. But then as I, like, got a little bit better in the sport... I got my Instagram, and that was pretty much the first things I saw. Team yeah. Flex, or he hack you. And, of course, I would take interest. I'm like, oh, shit, those guys are my weight class. Yeah. Or three of them are in my weight class, and their coach is, you know, kind of coaching them through it. So that's why when he said that you started in 2015, I'm like, how the fuck did he get involved in this whole thing? Because now it's easy for me yeah. to find these guys. It's really simple because it just – we're there. We're kind of at that point where it's, you know, all over our social medias and raw lifting has really taken off. So, um, it was interesting. Yeah. Pretty interesting to hear like that you started that early and then found those resources. And it's obviously took in your powerlifting career to, uh, really, really high levels. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really strange. Like I, you know, I could probably go back in the emails and, and, and read them to you one day, but I just, I was in Massachusetts. He was in California. I literally don't know what made me think like, yep, I'm working with you, man. And I guess it ended up being the right choice. Yeah. And yeah. And then just covering your uh, social media as well. um, One thing that is always brought up with you. And I knew that it was a unique thing because other lifters will come and talk to me about it. It's your technique on pretty much all three lifts. I would say two lifts in particular, your bench and your squat. Yeah. Um, you're very intelligent. You do coaching. You do a really good job of it too. People do swear oh, by you. your coaching. And 
was just wondering, how do you adapt to that type of technique? What made you want to do it? Well, I mean, just like with every with every sort of you know adaptation you make to anything, there's some sort of pressure to do so, right? There's there's a in in my case, right? There were there were some sort of inefficiencies or lack of progress or pain. Essentially, it's all umbrellaed under there's there's pressure, there's drive to move toward something different than what I was you know what I was currently doing. So. For anybody who, who has been following me long enough, you could go back and watch me lift from 2015, 2016. I squatted super narrow. Um, I squatted with my feet right underneath me. And I was a good squatter. Like when I, you know, my first meet, I squatted, you know, at the time I'd only been lifting for a few months. I squatted 501 mm-hmm. when I was 17. I was like 178, I think I weighed in that. So... I was always a, a strong squatter and a strong squatter with a narrow stance and it worked really well for a really long time um, until I just ran into the issue where I couldn't really control myself um, with heavy weights. Like I just, I would hit the hole and kind of lose everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just a function of, you know, it wasn't a function of the stance. The stance certainly didn't help because I've always been, I guess to backtrack a little bit, I've always been very flexible, very hypermobile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom was a ballerina and a gymnast, so I'm sure I inherited some of those genes from her. Well, definitely on uh, your bench. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I've always, I've just always been very, very mobile, very flexible, and I'm sure that lack of stability kind of just manifested itself in my squat and led to some some knee pain some hip shifting it wasn't enough to to keep me out but it was just it was it was painful every time i squatted it was painful um and i stumbled upon um it's actually funny because you know this guy um was recommended that i go to by joey because he was this guy was a power lifter at the time his name is ellish lee um whose instagram is uh, at intuitive strength Mm-hmm. Um, he used to be a powerlifter. Now he does not powerlift anymore. He doesn't coach powerlifters anymore. He's a you know a movement coach and a phenomenal one at that. And I came to him in the summer of 2016 and was like, "Dude, just fucking fix me. I don't know what's going on." And he pretty much taught me the basis of what I know about PRI and proper movement mm-hmm. and. Um, just learning a lot about the pelvis, the hips, the rib cage, the cranium, all all of how these 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 systems, these groups in your body all um, integrate together, and essentially how fucked up we all move when we power lift. And those movements that I was doing under him um, really helped teach me how to use my obliques, my hamstrings, my adductors, all of these things to stabilize the pelvis, which is what I needed. Um, and in conjunction with that, I started moving my squat stance out incrementally. And I think that summer I squatted, you know, I think I was squatting around 540 because I had to, I had squatted 562 the year prior, but because of the knee pain, things were just getting really bad. Um, and I had gone to Ellis after that and was moving my stance out and doing all the drills he had gave me. And within like five weeks I had squatted like 585. Mm-hmm. So the stability and, you know, the stability gave way to the strength. Right. And it just was kind of like a, you know, a snowball sort of effect or like a foot in the door kind of deal where it's like, Oh, if you, you know, 
you start squatting a little bit wide and then it's easier to just move out a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And it's essentially just gradually built up to the point where I squat as wide as I do now. And it just feels strong. Like I, I know a lot of people, you know, question why I do it. And the honest reason is, you know, obviously I, I incrementally got to that point, but the, the reason it works is I feel stronger that way. And I'm never in pain. My mm-hmm. hips feel fantastic squatting this way. Like I do now at this point after, you know, tons of overall stress accumulated over the years, I, I do have some restriction in my hip, but that was be, you know, that's expected to arise regardless of how you're lifting more. So a function of just the time. Um, but yeah, man, I just, nothing ever hurts anymore. And that's, that's really all you can ask for. Like, the bottom line is, like, however you, whatever technique you adapt, like, if you can progress, and you can progress, like, pain-free, why would you change anything? Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree with that. I like to hear people, because that's where you see the passion with certain people, trying to find out ways to get stronger and looking for other sources to get stronger. Yeah. And it, it's it's one of those things that we do ourselves where we have someone pushing us to do. Uh, yep. it's very similar to me with my deadlifts because I have to answer the questions about my deadlift a lot because it's almost the exact opposite where it's narrow. Yeah. I'm like, that's just where I feel the strongest. I tried the wide stance and I just feel stronger with my deadlift being narrow. Yeah. But sure. yeah. And then also I, I noticed, and if you, you mentioned this earlier that you're a coach. Do people assume that you're going to make suggestions to copy your technique? I think a lot of people have, have assumed that. So, I mean, just to talk about that a little bit, I coach around 50 lifters. Did not know that? That is a lot of people. It is a lot of people. And I'm very excited to not be working in my current job so I can really just like, I'm, I'm on my phone all day answering people. Like I, I love that it's almost a blessing how addicted I am to my phone because a lot of coaches will do the weekly check-in, weekly email thing. First of all, I hate that. But second, it makes it so much easier to manage a high volume of clients when you just talk to them every single day. Like, it's like studying for a test. If you were to, you know, obviously it's harder to get the willpower to do it, but if you study for an exam, you know, a little bit every day, it's going to be a lot more manageable than cramming it all into one night. And that's how I feel about coaching. I think that you end up making your life harder and you end up, um, you know, you end up sacrificing quality if you have to then essentially cram all your coaching and all of your absorption of what you're seeing your lifters do into a short period of time. But where I was going with this was that I coached 50 lifters, and I think maybe, I'm trying to think, maybe one of them squats like me. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So I am. I in no way teach anybody to squat the way I do. In fact, I discourage it. Um, because I agree that my extension patterns and my, you know, essentially just lack of, of sufficient hip internal rotation, hip flexion, all these sort of things, I acknowledge that they're there. I acknowledge that it is not a, um, for most people, not a wise decision to make. I spend a ton of time doing a lot of positional, um, work, pain management stuff, movement prep, to keep myself healthy. Mm-hmm. I've been lucky that I'm very durable, but for the vast majority of people, like I am going to teach them how to move correctly. There are plenty of people I have who squat wide, you know, there's, you know, 
there's not a one size fits all stance for everybody. Some people I coach squat really narrow. Some people I coach squat wide, but maybe one person I coach squats as wide as I do. Um, and as far as bench press goes, I think I've learned a ton of subtleties from how much I've had to fine tune my bench over the year that carry over into a lot of people's bench. Um, even if they don't arch the way I do. So I do have quite a few lifters because I think this is more common. I do have quite a few lifters who have the capacity to arch on the bench press. And I think that since it's, if you are capable of holding position, obviously if you're able to reduce your range of motion, you're going to be stronger. So if I notice, and it's pretty easy to tell, mostly because any power lifter, I think at this point, at least tries it once. Like if you if you're if you're a coach and you see your lifter can do it and they want to do it, you know, we're going to try to maximize how much weight they can lift. Um, and I do coach a lot of people who have really big arches, and it's funny. I'll go coach at local meets, and I'll have my lifters setting up on bench, and like everyone there is like, oh, this is Sean's lifter for sure, <laughs> because they all they all, um, you know, they're all very meticulous with their setup, but. I have a ton of lifters who don't, arch, you know, they don't arch a lot and some just don't have the capacity to, some can't maintain the position. And it's like everything in this sport is about being able to express the most amount of force in the positions that your body has to get into. And if you can't do, you know, if you don't have the stability to maintain a position, how the hell are you going to express force in that position? So essentially with bench, like if someone can do it, great, we'll do it. We'll supplement it with a ton of Larson pressing, a ton of, you know, varying grip work. Because we can all agree that arching on bench is not the best way to build chest muscle. Yeah. That's, I think, pretty obvious. Um, so we'll get all that stuff in. But, I mean, it's about, it's about losing the most weight. So we're going we're gonna to do everything we can in that scenario. Yeah, it doesn't really matter how many people you trigger on the internet. As long as you're lifting the most amount of fucking weight, then do it. Do it's it because actually, that's a sport. It's actually funny because when I when I started powerlifting, like I would bench maybe once a week, once every other week because I was still playing baseball, and I benched really close grip, like no arch. And I remember seeing a video. I think it was a it was a JP Couchy's sister, uh, Carrie Ann, who mm -hmm. I don't think she competes anymore, but her bench press range of motion was literally like two or three inches, like it was absurd. And I remember seeing that, and I was like, "What the fuck? This is bench pressing. This is ridiculous." And I was not a good bencher when I started. Um, I think mostly because I just didn't train bench. Like most gym bros, they go into the gym, what's the first thing they do? Chest, arms, shoulders, all that sort of stuff. To me, it just wasn't enticing. It also didn't benefit me as much for baseball. So I bench very close grip. I bench very infrequently. Um, but as I got more competitive in the sport, my squat and deadlift kind of carried me. And I was like, fuck, I have to, I have to step my shit up and realizing that I could use all this mobility I knew I had in other scenarios to help me on bench, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to spend the time to learn everything I can um, in order to bench as much as I can because for so long in the beginning of my powerlifting career, um, it was the lagging lift for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that's most powerlifters. And I think I've covered, I, I say this on almost every show that it's the cliche powerlifters say now that their bench sucks. Uh, and your bench actually doesn't suck, but when we all start, it's like, that's why we got into powerlifting. Yeah, we got into yeah. squat and deadlift, because yep. I weightlifted in high school for football, and I was one of the strongest guys on my team, but I had a terrible bench. 
Like, actually, we did power queens. My power queen was far better than my <laughs> my bench press. It wasn't yeah. even close. Um, so I think that's why, like, people get into powerlifting. And also, it's good to hear you say that you will not even encourage people to do some of the technique things that you do because yeah. I think powerlifting at times could be a bit of a copycat kind of thing where it's like, no, oh, this guy's sure. doing it. I'm going to try it. And then I get DMs like, hey, you think I should put wear squat shoes while I deadlift? I'm like, no, I don't think you should do that. The only reason why I do it is because I'm really stupid, and no yeah. one told me I shouldn't do that when I first started. So, therefore, you should definitely not do it. Yeah. I'm like, you could try it. I don't give a fuck. But yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to say this is the right technique. Same thing with yeah. the narrow stance sumo that I do. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you this is the right thing to do. Hell, you might even be a conventional lifter. I have no idea. Or a conventional mm-hmm. puller. I have no clue because, one, I'm not a coach, and two, I don't know you at all. So yeah. it's it's good to hear you say that you don't tell your clients to do the same exact things you do. Yeah, man. I mean, here's the, here's the thing, right? Like in your scenario and my scenario, we both have these very unique technique styles. And I think the fact of the matter is, is that we've built up this resiliency to those movement patterns over time, right? Like you spent so much time, so many reps and spent a lot of time at high intensities, essentially teaching your brain, like, this is how you deadlift. Right. And in a similar scenario with me where I was in a position where like, okay, I am at the top, you know, I'm in the mix at the top of this weight class. This is how I feel strong. I'm going to groove these patterns over and over again. You build a resiliency toward it, toward it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in my case, I feel very fortunate that I've learned so much about, um, you know, just human anatomy, human physiology, how to manage my pain and, and all that sort of stuff that I've, I've, been able to supplement um you know all of my training with that kind of information and those movements but i can acknowledge that at the surface level like the patterns that i'm going through are not necessarily efficient um they're not how you should encourage anyone to lift but it works for me because i literally just did it over and over and over and when you do something over and over, you build proficiency to it. You build tissue resiliency. The same thing happened to you, both tissue-wise and brain-wise. You were resilient to that movement. And I swear I want to get this printed on a shirt because I tell this to all of my kind of younger lifters who get a little overzealous. I tell this to newer lifters I have. I tell this to people just asking questions on social media. Um, it's about the inputs and not the output. And what I mean by that is, If you take care of all of the internal cues and positional cues and focus on actually moving properly, however it manifests itself, however it looks, that'll take care of itself. If you're focusing on bracing properly, keeping your pelvis in line, keeping your rib cage down, engaging your abs, obliques, hamstrings, adductors, like for you, your squat might look perfectly upright doing that. For someone else, you might look like a fucking taco. Like... (laughs) It is totally individual, and you should never, ever, no matter what lift it is, do not train for an output. Do not train a lift to try to make it look like something. Focus on all of the inputs that go into making it look the best. And if you do all those things right, your lift is going to look the best it looks for you. For sure. And you know what's more triggering than, like, a really super big arch, super wide squat? is for someone to consistently try to mimic their technique to satisfy other people. That's more triggering than a lifter getting, like, one or two inches of range of motion. What are you doing? Do what is going to allow you to lift the most weight. 
So, yep. yeah, definitely get that shit printed on the shirt. I'll buy one. <laughs> I'll buy that shit. All right, so you are coming off injury. You mentioned at the show an unfortunate injury with your meniscus. Yeah. Uh, kept you out of IPF Worlds, but now the goal is USAPL, Raw Nationals in Lombard, Illinois. How is that injury affecting your current prep? Um, if it is, I don't really even know if it is or not. No, I mean, it's, it'd, be, it'd be foolish to say it's not, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, for, for several weeks, I was obviously limited very heavily on what I could do. It took me a couple weeks to get back to pulling sumo because I couldn't lock my knees. For a little while, squatting was just limited to the SSB because I couldn't squat with a bar on my back. And then I just kind of, I just pushed the envelope every day um, as much as I could. Um, basically my goal was to progress every session that I came into the gym while not ever pushing my pain threshold past what I felt was tolerable on previous days. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, one day I hit 135 on squat and the next day I hit 225, like the first three sets might feel good, but the fourth set, I feel like a twinge that I haven't felt like, okay, shut it down. I'll be better the next session, right? The adaptations come back quick when you're, you know, when you're essentially starting from scratch like that again. But at this point, I guess the only real way it's affecting me is just being more careful, just being more aware of my surroundings in the gym, Mm -hmm. not, you know, making sure the lever on the pitch arc is underneath the weight sled. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't think a lot of, a lot of people are, including myself, I didn't know exactly what caused the injury. It was a freak yeah. accident. It was nothing yeah, just yeah. you had too much weight on the pit shark. It no, was it was, just, it was a freak injury, it so was, I it was a really uh, scary accident to be honest with you. So like I like I said at the beginning of this video, you know, I pushed the, the safety catch in, um, but since it was set for someone taller than me, it literally just wasn't underneath it and I thought it was. I didn't really look to check. Mm-hmm. Um and I fell down, ironically, of course, this is the way it had to turn out. It was the, mo- it was the most weight I had ever loaded onto the pitch shark in my life. Like, this was the heaviest set of a pitch <laughs> shark I've ever done. And as I came down, the worst part about it is that with most belt squats, with most leg presses, right, there's a point where you get deep enough that, you know, with the leg press, it'll hit that last kind of leg of safety catches. Or with the belt squat, the, the part where the sled attaches kind of just hits the ground. Since it was set for someone so tall even bottomed out it was still above the ground so i felt my knee pop like my right leg was useless and i was sitting in the bottom of a squat with 900 and something pounds on the machine with nowhere to go because at the absolute bottom of where i was the sled was still a good six to eight inches off the ground i was very lucky that there were four or five like big dudes in the gym at the time and there shouldn't even have been because the the gym was closed like, it was after hours. I was just very lucky that people were there. But Yeah, you would have been fucked no, if you were alone there. If, were, if there were nobody there, I promise you the only way I was getting out of that was just to break my legs. Like, mm-hmm. that literally would have been the only way uh, for me to get out of that. So there are, there are a lot of times where I'm, like, you know, just slowly drifting to sleep at night. And, like, the thought will come into my head and I'll just, like, wake up. <laughs> because I remember exactly how it felt. Like, it was very it was a very scary uh, moment. But... Yeah, I kind of take those things for granted that actually could happen at any moment with really any yeah, lift, man. and yeah, you I just kind of don't think don't about think it about until people tell me. You literally don't think about it because you're used to, obviously your body's used to the weights you're lifting, and mm-hmm. if you're in a good training block, like, you just build all this momentum, you feel invincible, and it's like, 
when you really step back and think about it, it's like, this is a lot of weight on a barbell, on a machine. Like It literally could kill you. Yeah. It's probably not going to happen, but it could. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talk hurt. about with my co-host, who's uh, unfortunately not here, is, you know, it's like kind of nearly heating death and almost every lift. Pour one out. Yeah. I actually have alcohol with me, so I don't know if you've been noticed. I've been drinking old style, fucking cliche ass Cubs fan, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. And powerlifting is like that, but yours, yeah, because a lot of people I talk to, I'm on social media, I'm on that kind of stuff, but I'm not super in depth with people's lives. I'm not like reading every single story. If I did, I mean, shit, that's not good. But uh, and like look through the news feed, you know, people are just saying, oh, he hurt himself doing the picture. I didn't know it was a freak injury, even. Yeah. So the freak injury will definitely have a have a major say in how you prep for nationals, but it's like at least you have the peace of mind to know, eh, well, it's not my squat that I did it. It's not the deadlift that I did. Yeah. Um, it's not a technical flaw. It was just avoid, avoid that fucking lever on the pitch arc, really. Yeah. Yeah, so – I'm not going to get into your whole prep or have you take us through it because you're doing you have the YouTube channel that you're yeah, going to cover yeah. it. So no, I'll be I'll be tracking every week on there, but I can talk. I mean, like I can talk to you, kind of. I guess what my my mindset is, mm-hmm. what what the, the the rough plan is, just kind of in in words without getting too in depth on. Oh yeah, for on sure. Training itself, we will definitely love to hear that, dude. Like my my knee is still uncomfortable at times, but it's. It's gotten to the point where if the squat, if, like, the bar feels good on my back, I won't really think about my knee. I won't have to think about my knee, which is a point that I've gotten to very recently. Um, And kind of re-racking the bar after a set and realizing, like, wow, I didn't have to think about my knee during that set. Like, I had been babying a lot of squats into the bottom because I was worried about something giving out. But at this point, I'm not there, so... I told Joey a couple weeks ago, I'm like, listen, man, um, this summer, so for, you know, for those of you who, who don't know watching this podcast, if you don't follow me that closely, um, I've been working at the National Institute of Health for the past year, um, but I'll be leaving in two weeks now um, to move to New York. I'll be pursuing acting. Uh, we could talk about that later, but sure. I'll be pursuing acting and, you know, ultimately this effectively this entirety of the prep it'll be the most free time i think i've had in my time powerlifting because i was a full you know i was in school and then i would intern or take classes over the summer like this is by far the most free time i've had and i don't see any signs of any knee pain or um you know aggravation becoming any worse than it is now so i told joey i'm like listen man We've had a lot of data points. We've tried a lot of things. We've swung the pendulum to the most extremes, to the more conservative and kind of, um, you know, lower stress, lower volume work. Like, we've done it all. But if there were any time where you wanted to fucking step on the gas and say, like, fuck, like, you know, Sean might get hurt doing this, you know, training like this. Sean might get, not, you know, not a tragic injury like the pit shark thing, but... You know, he might get an overuse injury. He might, you know, develop some sort of pain. Like, this is a lot of work that has a lot of risk, but a lot of high reward. I told him, I'm like, this is the time to do it. Um, I'm able to pitch shark again, which I know I, I sell, I oversell sometimes this, this machine, but for someone who squats 
in a way that takes so much of a, a toll, not pain-wise, but just stress-wise on the lower back. Mm-hmm. Having access to a machine where you can literally just blow up your quads as if you were a perfectly upright squatter and could handle more frequency, like, it literally took my squat from, like, kind of lagging in the fall, winter, to, like, being right up there at the top, and I need it, I think, for this Nationals. Like, I absolutely need it. So having gotten back on that um, is a sign to me that my knee is kind of healthy enough to really step on the gas and really just be willing to try more aggressive things during this prep um, than we had going into other meets. So So I'm ready for it. Yeah, so you're saying the 183 weight class has to take notice now, including (laughs) myself. Including myself, because you have the I'm free not, time, I'm you're not, gonna be stepping I'm on the not, gas. I'm not one to uh, to talk like uh, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not gonna talk a big game. I'm not gonna say mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this, do that, whatever. There are plenty of people who like to do that. Anything happens on meet day. Anything can happen on meet day, and you look like an asshole if you don't do what you say you're gonna do. Like, yeah. you just have to do it. That's... You just have to do it. So yeah, considering everything's posted on social media nowadays that you kind of got to almost stay quiet during things so it doesn't blow up in your face in the long run. Yeah, and no, for sure. We don't have a too many arrogant lifters in the in the sport, but there are some, and once if it goes well, awesome, but if it goes poorly, then... You get roasted. You're done. Yeah, it's not Social like... media, it's ruthless. <laughs> the online community will roast you to oblivion. Yeah, and it's not like baseball where you get, like, a next day to, like, redeem yourself. Or, like, say if you're a starting pitcher, five days to redeem yourself... You have to do, like, 13 weeks or 15 yeah. weeks to, like, constantly get told, like, yeah. well, you know, you bombed out of your last meet even <laughs> though you talked shit the entire time, so. Also, with baseball, like, you know, you're expected to do poorly at a much higher frequency than mm-hmm. you are in powerlifting anyway. So it's like, when you talk about the game and don't perform in powerlifting, when you're kind of expected to, you know, you're essentially considered a bad lifter. If, like, you have meets after meets where you are, you know, performing less than, like, you know, 8 for 9, 9 for 9 kind of deal, it's almost like you know what you're going to be able to lift. So if you're not executing, it's because you just have, you know, poor decision-making, stuff like that. So you definitely just – you kind of look like an idiot if you, you know, talk yourself up without being able to show it on the platform. Well, yeah, well, no matter what the case is, I'm really excited to see you compete at Raw Nats. Again, uh, be my first USAPL Raw Nationals. Really excited to compete there, and it's in Illinois, so can't wait Perfect to really... area for you, man. You're going to enjoy man. it, for real, dude. It's it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Well, I'm looking forward to competing, but I'm also looking forward to watching you compete. Now, no, also, you did attend IPF Worlds in Sweden, and yes. great teammate uh, going out watching uh, your teammates compete. Just, I always want to know, you're coming off an injury, and this is very similar to other athletes. You're coming off injury that of something you were supposed to compete in. Your team did excellent. Stole the show, really. I mean, it was kind of the flex show. It was great to see your teammates compete, win, perform at extremely high levels, but at the same time, were you kind of going through like a mix of emotions, like a little bit of a bittersweet kind of thing, like shit i should be competing along with them dude i i uh and i'm not i'm not saying this to to what's the word i'm looking for i guess toot my own horn i think anybody 
can do this. Anybody can feel this, but I'm just, I'm not one to get demoralized or down about certain things, right? Especially if you're just in a scenario where you cannot control the outcome anymore. Like I got hurt, but like everything that happens after, like shit, I'm hurt. I have to deal with it. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not someone who gets demoralized by sitting there and watching, you know, essentially my direct number one competitor compete. Um, if anything, when I was there, like, you know, people ask me like, ah, you know, dude, I was really looking forward to you competing. You must be bummed out. I'm like, no man, like it is what it is. I gave myself 24 hours after the injury to cry over it because I thought my knee injury was way worse than it was. Um, but after that, you're done. You just have to move forward. You have to do everything you can to get back to where you want to be. Because the reason you're so upset, the reason you're so sad is because what you were doing mattered a lot to you. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone's lucky to have something that matters that much to them. Like it's when you're sad about something like that, like you should be thankful that you have something that you care that much about. So after the fact, you just have to fucking do everything you can to get back to that point where you can protect what it is that you love. So sitting there, you know, watching Russ essentially have, you know, not only the best meat of his life, but the best meat of any 83 in the world, like all time. meat only. Yeah. All time. It, it just fired me up. Like it, it, you watch and you get chills and you start just like, it's crazy. Like you'll literally just start like visualizing, you know, nationals or something like that. Like you're putting yourself in that situation and you're like, damn, like I want to beat this dude. Yeah. And even watching those type of competitions, cause I was always one to like, didn't really watch and tune into a lot of powerlifting competitions uh-huh. uh, for a wide variety of reasons. But after just watching that, I was like, man, I want to get on the platform again. I want to get, I'm yeah. like, now I'm looking forward to that. You get prep. the bug. You get the bug quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it happens super quick. But this is just something I always wondered with all types of athletes because this happens a lot in sports. Um, yeah. Powerlifting, and we had a whole show on this, in my definition, isn't really a team sport. It's an individual sport uh, with oh, a yeah, team effort, sure. all that cliche kind of stuff that people yeah, say. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. one person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could throw that in the most annoying things powerlifters say. But, um, <laughs> like, with that, but, like, those actual team sports, I see it a lot, and it's like they had a blown knee – or they blew their knee out, and then they're watching their team win a Super Bowl. Are they kind of pissed off right now just a little bit because they're just not oh, out there sure. with their team? And I think that athletes are afraid to say that they are for the most part because they don't want to seem like a bad teammate, but we're yeah. all competitors, and we want to be out there doing the same exact thing. So yeah. I just thought you were a good person to ask because we're in this like weird pseudo-individual-slash-team sport where it's like, is it a team sport or is it an individual sport? But it happens, so... Just wanted to ask you that, and yeah, and I appreciate your honesty, and your your answer makes more sense than, like, say an athlete being like, man, I just want to see my teammates win, God willing, uh, they'll, it's like, God willing, no, man, it's like the W be on their I side do, today. I do want to see him do well, like, mm-hmm. even if... Oh, yeah, and I think we all always want to see our teammates do well, because yeah. more so you just sitting there watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, like, you know, even if Russ were not a good friend of mine like we talk every day even if he weren't a teammate like i could dislike him like he could be somebody i dislike i want to see him have the best meet of his life because to me it's just like you know it's like the four minute mile like one person runs it one person breaks it and just more people keep doing it Mm -hmm. like when you see someone ball out when you see someone just like finally execute as a result of all the passion and hard work they put into something like 
if you're a like-minded individual, like if you are that person, right, it's just like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that better. I'm going to do that and beat them. I'm going to whatever, right? It's just, it, it brings, it heightens that, you know, competitive spirit in everybody to, to new levels. Um, and I don't think it, you know, I mean, that's just, that's my opinion on that. I, I don't think it needed to be, you know, I'm happy for him because he's a teammate or a friend because I am, but I just want to see the best possible showing of my opponent because then it's okay. I need to rise to that occasion. I need to literally push myself harder and harder and harder and do everything I can to get there. Um, and I think that, sorry to, to keep rambling on. No but, problem, brother. Um, when Joey took on Russ, you know, at the time I was stronger than Russ, but I think, you know, Russ at the time had just kind of been bodybuilding and just kind of started dabbling in powerlifting. Joey was like, this kid's pretty strong. Like, I'm just letting you know I'm taking him on. Like, I, I hope you're okay with it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, like, this was around the time John left. Hack had left the USAPL. And it was like, you you essentially just, like, eliminated that, the pinnacle, right? It was like, John beat everybody on openers at the time. He had a couple of us in the mix down in, like, the 1600s. And when he left, it was like, you know, obviously you're still competitive. You want to be the best, but it's like now you, you don't have that, that, that four minute mile to strive to, strive to, right? Because it's like, you know, it's possible that there's someone up there. Like you just saw it literally a couple months ago and now it's like gone, right? Mm -hmm. And then since Russ had been working with Joey, like I think it's brought out the best in both of us. Like I don't think either of us would be where we are at without constantly having to like hold the other accountable or like push the other or one up the other. Um, I mean, I think that's the way all competition is like you need, you need somebody to push you like that. Yeah. And if you look at every sort of sport, you have that, you have that even individual sports because in boxing yeah. was a big one. Like, um, I mean, I don't even know if our listeners will understand the reference, but Jake Lamada or Sugar Ray Robinson needed Jake Lamada, yeah. you know, Peyton, needed or Brady needed uh Peyton uh Jordan needed the Pistons in order to reach those high levels because you have to over you have to kind of put someone off the throne in order to reach greatness and I think also um on two white lights blog check it out people shameless plug but I wrote about <laughs> this too was the competition embrace it do not get discouraged of it I mean yeah. it could be friendly it could be unfriendly whatever you want to say but you look at businesses you look at other athletes they needed someone pushing them to another level because, and you mentioned the four-minute mile, you need someone to aspire to be and surpass. If you don't have that, you come, become complacent. So, yeah. And you gave a really well-thought-out answer as well on that too. So um, really looking forward again, Raw Nationals, what numbers you put up there. Um, and now we got our segments, some of the questions, games we play with each of our guests. So, All right, first things first, we had a whole show on this. What is one thing that powerlifters say that annoys you? Dude, you're asking me, like, you're asking me to pick, like, a favorite, I don't know, like, M&M color. <laughs> There's too many of the fucking <laughs> same annoying-ass people. Oh, man. Um, let me see if I can Yeah, because I think with this segment, there... too, on, uh, like, we had a whole episode on this, pretty much. 
I think this <laughs> might have been might have been like the most I've talked and ranted because yeah. it just everyone and everyone who commented, I'm like, oh shit, I hate when people fucking say that. And then I would get on another rant, but we and then it was hard to find one. I you know. There are a lot of things that irk me, but I think I think this is pro. You know, I'm sure if I if I spend more time, I can think of others that are right up there. But one that really, really, really bugs me is the people who, um, I think I think people in general, regardless of what the thing they say is, um, try to say a lot of things to make themselves feel better. Um, about their current situation and the situation I'm referring to is when you see people who I guess have tried at something and failed but not just failed but that they just they weren't they didn't have the willpower to kind of keep up and recognize that the demands of what it is that they aspire to achieve exceeded their willpower to do it Mm -hmm. and then they go and like preach like Oh, my life's just about balance. I need to be balanced. Like, this is how you be healthy. This is how you're going to be happy. It's like, okay, yes, obviously being balanced is a good thing. Like, if you are going to be neurotic about everything, you are probably not going to be a happy person. But two things. One, if you want to be at the top of anything, it doesn't matter what it is, you're not going to be healthy or balanced in that specific field because being balanced doesn't get you to the top. Being balanced keeps you average, mm-hmm. right? So that's the first thing. But the second is just usually the people who are saying this are just the ones who wanted to be hyper-focused on something super driven. They were like, I'm going to, you know, count on my, just an example for powerlifting, right? I'm going to count on my macros. I'm going to have all the right equipment, follow the program, whatever, whatever. And along the way, they get discouraged by some injury or some bad meat performance, and they kind of just crumble. And then to make themselves feel better, they create this whole narrative of like, yeah, you know, you just need to be balanced. Like, this is how you're going to be healthy and kind of start shaming people for like wanting to be so neurotic and Mm -hmm. and, and almost OCD about the things that they do or like how much they care about being good at powerlifting. It's like, no, you're just trying to make yourself feel better by shaming the people who are able to keep up and persevere through the things that you couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's like, Every competitor, you could argue that competition is an unhealthy way of thinking. Yeah. Being super competitive is, I mean, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, if you probably met them, you'd be like, this guy's a fucking dickhead. Yeah. He's just, he wants to win and everything. It's really annoying, but look what they accomplished. Same thing with powerlifting. And this happens a lot. Um, Actually, one of my philosophy professors talked that you usually negate the things you're not good at. Yeah. So, like... People who are really either book smart and not athletic, they'll be like, well, who gives a fuck about, you know, sports? Yeah. Like, that doesn't do anything. It doesn't pay the bills. But then, like, someone who's the exact opposite, good athletics, not really book smart, they're like, well, who the fuck cares about that stuff? You know, it's like, if they yeah. want to, you know, if they want to fight me, they can, I'll probably win. So they often <laughs> negate certain things. And I have seen yeah. that around powerlifting. Um, I think the one that pisses me off the most is anything that's comparing powerlifting to anything else that's not powerlifting. I think we got a lot of people in the sport who want to go to battle, who are warriors, who are gladiators. And I'm like, are you a gladiator or are you lifting weights, bud? Are you, are, are you about to fight someone or are you about to pick up an object? <laughs> just, just think about what you're doing for a sec. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one tries to that, 
Sorry, dude. Oh, okay. no, no, you're good. You're good. No, I was going to say on the flip side of that, it's – and it usually happens. I actually talked about this on my podcast with uh, Joey, John, and Russ. Yeah, go Same check that out, guys. Here, yeah. Four Horsemen podcast. Go check that out, motherfuckers. Channel. Go check it out. We have a lot of good conversations. But we talked about this. It's usually among people who have not played sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because sports just really kind of – above all things, just kind of teach – delayed gratification and like working for something despite whatever ups and downs come along the way i don't like i just can't stand the people who will like talk about something that happened in powerlifting as if it was like the hardest thing that they've ever done in their entire fucking life i talked about that exactly on the show (laughs) because powerlifting quite possibly is the easiest sport i've ever done you know how i know that i'm actually decent at it i sucked (laughs) At football and baseball. I wasn't good average at best. I wasn't good. I love doing it. That's why I, I played. But, yeah. like, powerlifting, it's 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 a great individual sport. I get to lift weights. I get to go home when I want. I don't have any yeah. other demands, really. It's not that hard. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know. Well, compared to other sports. Yeah. Let me no, throw that so out there. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I have a very almost i guess kind of aggressive feeling about that like i totally i totally agree with you that other sports are are harder for you know various number of reasons Mm -hmm. but i mean powerlifting i guess the way you could look at it right is like you know if you're like investing in a in a a stock let's say let's say like a pretty safe stock right like you're gonna get decent returns um all the time right powerlifting is like that it's very formulaic like if you invest you know ten dollars and you expect to get you know fifteen dollars in return like you put in the work in the gym you're probably going to get stronger the only difference between everybody is how much money you start off with right yeah your genetics are what determine that essentially how much money you have in your pocket to invest right but the ups and downs are not nearly as volatile or as drastic as other sports Mm -hmm. and the fact of the matter you know in that case is like with powerlifting like you know, some people are going to have a harder time than others, but, like, you're going to get stronger. You're going to be able to compete. Like, I think there are so many sports and so many things in life that you can do everything you can. Like, you can just put all your eggs in one basket. You can spend all your time in the batting cage taking swing after swing after swing, do all your arm care, and then come out and, like, go 0 for 15 in the beginning of the season, get cut from your team, your life falls apart. It's like, no, like, you you essentially get out what you put into powerlifting. Yeah. It's, yeah, and, I, and that was one of the tough realities I had with other sports was, yeah. I'm like, man, no matter how hard I work at football, I'm just not going to be as good as this guy. Mm-hmm. It's like I could put seriously double the work he is, I'm just not going to be as good as him. And you have to kind of realize that, like, there are just some people who have a gift from God, and powerlifting is not exactly like that. You put in the work in the gym, you will get results. Great yeah. analogy, love it. Probably going to steal it and take it as my own. Go the good for create, it. the great steal. I will see you. All right, awesome. <laughs> I'm probably not going to make the money off it. But, um, also, one thing I've been re- uh, thinking of recently, have you noticed, like, a bunch of powerlifters all of a sudden becoming philosophers, too? <laughs> All right, this is this extends this extends way past powerlifting. We're gonna get on a crazy rant if you don't stop me. But yeah. social media, right? It gives everyone a voice. Mm-hmm. Right? Everyone has a voice on social media. You can have an account. You can make statuses. You can post pictures. You have now given yourself equal weight, 
right, to everyone else. Everyone is equal in their ability to represent themselves on social media, which is a great thing. However, not everything or not everyone has something worth it to say that is, is, is on the same level as someone else. Yeah. So people think that because they have this voice that they should use it and talk outside of their pay grade and essentially put themselves on like, you know, it, it, it creates this like kind of false equivalency, right? Where like your, your perceptions or your perspective is like, it's needed. Like you're doing a public service by announcing your groundbreaking interpretation of the universe. It's like, nah, man, mm-hmm. just shut up. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I agree with that. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's sometimes, and I might get in trouble here because I mean, shit, I know a lot of powerlifters, but, um, I, I've noticed this. It's like, did you just not say anything in a while and you want to make a post and you haven't said anything in a while. So now you're all of a sudden an Emmanuel Kant or yeah. niche or something <laughs> that you have to do and actually the things that they are, say are true but i'm like i've heard this before seven thousand times yep or but, they'll like they'll, they'll take like a famous cliche quote you would see on like a coffee table coaster and like mm-hmm. change a couple words around yeah and their friends will just pop in yes yes inspiring. it's like yes this it's all so recycled you're not an individual thing this is everything i'm like you know what i heard the same fucking power actor say that with 350 followers and a 350 wilkes and I didn't see shit from them. It's like, you guys aren't really going on the bad wagon of that person, but I don't know. Yeah. I feels like if you're a really good power lifter, you're gonna get, you're gonna get more people reposting on your story for the very cliche things that you say. That's a new yeah. one that power lifters, or annoying things power lifters say. <laughs> At least for me. Yeah. Um, alright, so, FMK. Two White Lights favorite, for those of you who don't know, FMK means Fuck, Mary Kill. So we're going to do a little Fuck, Mary Kill on powerlifting stuff that's related, but as we go on, get a little difficult. So we'll start super easy, FMK, squat, bench, deadlift. Alright, man, we're going to... We're going to kill, bench. That's a common one. We're going to... We're going to fuck deadlift, and we're going to marry squat. Ooh, because all right. My deadlift is probably my best lift, but I'll say squat did me good early on, and I know that there's going to be future return on investment. I know there's something there. We can work on it. We can build a life happy together for 50 years, die happy together. Eventually, you'll have your payoff. No matter how many times you fuck me over the course of my entire powerlifting career, I know that you're always going to be there for me. So, squats getting married, deadlifts getting fucked, and who gives a fuck about bench? Yeah, everyone has killed bench so far. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm just the opposite. Deadlift, I marry, and then squat, I fuck. But yeah, squat is scary to me, man. Every single time I squat, I get nervous, and that's why. I mean, it's like um, not really a good side piece squat. You know what I mean? It's like the unsafe person who might not be clean. <laughs> so that's how, that's how I always think of squat. All right. FMK. IPF, USAPL, or USPA? Um, we're going to marry the USAPL. Okay. And then from here. So the IPF is, you know, the IPF is great and all because it's the world. You know, you, the, the USAPL feeds into the IPF. Mm-hmm. But, oof. 
I feel like fucking the USPA man just a wild ride. They'll like fucking spit in your mouth or some crazy shit. Yeah, <laughs> like some weird dominatrix stuff in USPA. Yeah, dude. Like Especially with the lifters that are in there. Latex involved. Yep, definitely. Yep. I can see that they got good. They got a good equipment too. They got that yeah, deadlift dude, bar. You're gonna have to kill the IPF. It's uh, too boring. Sorry, I. So this is so we played this originally with federations that I competed in. So USAPL, yeah. I only competed in like three technically, but it's USAPL, APF. Yeah. And um, we did USPA. I actually killed the USPA because the lifters are getting a little pretentious and annoying. Yeah, I can. And it's can. nothing to do with the federation. It's just kind of the lifters involved with it. So. Yeah, it's it was uh, annoying me for a little bit, but I I could agree though. USPA is a sexy federation. I put USAPL yeah. to fuck because um, you got got that really great national meet, attractive, sexy, and I never competed in IPF, so I'm not even going to talk about them. <laughs> so, and I don't even know if it's going to be upcoming either. So accessories: FMK Romanian deadlifts, Larson press, or the pig shark. All right. We are definitely going to marry the RDL. Okay. I think I've been asked. I've been asked this question before. If there were one exercise you could do for the rest of your life, which would it be? And I think that the RDL is probably the best barbell exercise you could pick. That's a marriage. That's a marriage right there. In terms of uh, in terms of long term health and overall strength, pitch shark. I'm gonna fuck because that's gonna that that's the that's the little the impulse the drive it gave to my squat and. I just need that. I need that little boost. So that's going to be the fuck. And then we're going to kill the Larson press because we killed bench. You can't keep the Larson around if you're not going to bench. Didn't even think about that shit. Yeah. By the <laughs> way, did you start this whole, like, Larson press thing? Like, this trend of everyone doing Larson press? I mean, dude, Larson presses have been around forever. Sometimes, I like, people will say shit like that to me, and I'll just be like, I guess there are... There are I would say I have a very strong influence on the USAPL because... I don't mean the USAPL as a federation, but the demographic, because just a lot of lifters are juniors and sub-juniors, mm-hmm. and just my following is, is very much the 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 young community of, of, you know, upcoming lifters. So I feel like there are a lot of times where I'll just, like, I'll start doing something or I'll promote something and everybody starts doing it. Yeah, because I don't know what's a parody and what's not anymore, because <laughs> I saw the Larson Press be done by you. I'm like, oh, it looks interesting. For me, it really doesn't do a whole lot because I don't get a whole lot of leg drive. But mm-hmm. I saw it, and then I saw you do it. Then I saw a bunch of people repost, repost, repost of them doing it. I'm like, wait, hold on. What's going on here? Is this just kind of a mimic thing? And then <laughs> I ended up doing it for no reason. I'm like, oh, it just fell into the trap. Um, and I was wondering, like, was that was that Sean who did that shit? Also, with everyone putting Poppy in their handle, was that you too? I was the f- as far as I know, I made my hamstring poppy handle two and a half years ago. It was my handle before Kiss My Arch. Okay. People, like, from the time where I first made that handle, throughout me being Kiss My Arch, um, people would call me that. Okay. Uh, and then I changed my name back, and I, I'll see, like, quad poppy, glute poppy. I saw all this, and a bunch of just, like... Just random poppy things. I'm like, I and yeah. if they're all power lifters, I'm just assuming it started from somewhere, and I don't know where it began. Yeah, so I don't know who Agent One was. I guess we started like the. I'm sure you've seen like hashtag Kemen with a K. Yeah. So not a fan of that we, one. I don't so, get it. So 
So the reason it started, you should be a fan of it because Why? it started from um, Joey and I in 2016 making fun of Lane Norton. <laughs> Because right. this was... You're talking I mean, about my inadvertent powerlifting coach, yeah, man. Exactly. He has no I mean, idea no, he's coaching me. No no disrespect to Oh, no, I'm, I'm fucking right. <laughs> you know, we liked Lane, and at the time we were just kind of making fun of the intensity that he would have because oh. this was around the time where he had his... Um, it wasn't any of his debilitating injuries, but he was having some sort of back injury at the time. He's had a bunch. And he was coming back and in every video he'd be like i'm coming i'm coming I'm coming <laughs> and every time it just sounded like kevin like so we just started spelling it in stupid fucking ways and like we would start hashtagging it on shit and like he would eventually get tagged in it he'd see it recognize it we'd make like a meme where it was i think it was like the banner for 2016 raw nationals we just photoshopped his face on it and it was like the, the literally the poster said like are you coming to Raw Nationals 2016, and we photoshopped Lane's face on it, and then changed the coming to Kemen. And now I think a bunch of people say that, including people that don't like me, and I don't think they know that like they're saying something that I essentially started. Man, on social media. That's pretty <laughs> awesome, actually knowing where things. Because now, now I'm a fan. You turned me. I'm a fan because that <laughs> that story is actually pretty hilarious. Uh, because one, Lane Oren probably shouldn't shout "I'm coming" into a screen ever in your life, um, unless you're in the right profession to do of that. Of course, of course. But yeah, no, no, no. I'm a fan. I might not use the hashtag, but I kind of stay away from like the easy peasy we, things we and say, all those. And uh, 83 kilo boys, like I, the boys. I think the boys came from um, from Chance Mitchell. Actually, okay. I'm pretty sure that that came from him. There are all these things that you know, all these typical terms or hashtags you use in powerlifting it's funny to like know exactly where they came from i'm almost positive that boys i think it was around the time where chance finally made the move up to 93 because he used to be an 83 yeah um had a series of um self-coaching periods not so great coaching periods and realized it's like all right not only am i you know is my training not going well but it's not going well probably because I need to move up. Okay. And I think, yeah, I think at the time, like, his training started to take off once his body got used to the weight. And he had a bunch of, you know, people he was close with who were also 93s. And he just, like, hashtag that as a way to, like, I don't know, build the hype going into nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that, you know, boys, B-O-I-Z, kind of just caught on. Yeah, because, yeah, again, yeah, if you explain to me the origin of things, I probably start respecting it and find it hilarious. But I didn't know the origin of any of these things, so people just message me those things. I'm like, I don't get the it. People you know? Who know I'm the a curmudgeon, though. I'm a curmudgeon about these things. The people who know the origin about things say it ironically, so... Okay. The people who don't, which is the majority of people you see on social media, you're like, oh, that's kind of cringe. Like, stop. <laughs> a, little, a little bit. I see a, lot of, a little bit of it, and I cringe a little bit. But again, I'm... I'm probably the asshole in most situations because I just get annoyed by almost everything. Um, and I think we share a common enemy, by the way. I might bring it up <laughs> after the show. But, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to continue with FMK with Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. Oof. I'm going to marry Iron Man. Tony Stark's my man. You look a little bit like Tony Stark, and that's a compliment. Tony uh, Robert Downey Jr. is a handsome fella. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony Stark went to MIT. No uh, shit. 
Well, not Robert Downey Jr. Well, no, Tony Stark. Stark. Yeah, I didn't know. I, yeah, dude, I like, I like the movies, but I don't really watch them that much. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, Tony Stark, the character, went to MIT. Mm-hmm. And I actually found out. So, when I made my Iron Man video, I was going back through scenes from Iron Man 3. And it's wild. There's a scene where they have, like, his passport ID or photo ID open. And he was born the same day I was. No. We both shared a birthday. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yep. So that was pretty cool to see. When I was teaching, I was told I looked like Robert Downey Jr., but prior to Tony Stark, when he was all fucked up on drugs. So I'm like, thanks, (laughs) man. Thanks, guys. When he was an alcoholic and couldn't have his career in line, I still find him handsome, even with that (laughs) drug-induced thing he was always in. But I'm a big Uh, Robert Downey Jr. fan. Yeah, same, man. He's awesome. He's incredible. He's, I mean, he made that universe. He literally just... Phenomenal. Anyway, um, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to kill Cap. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry Iron Man, fuck Thor, kill Cap. Like Thor's the god of thunder. He's a fucking as as Drax says in uh, Infinity War. He's the god man. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to kill Cap. Cap. I will never. I just. I don't think I'll ever be able to forgive the writers for making Cap just go back in time and, like, marry Peggy. I was just like, Ooh, Ooh little, uh, little endgame. Yeah, I, I... Dude, and I could, I... Yeah, I don't know. I remember you posting in your story how, like, you were kind of into it, and you're way into more into it than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my co-host is super into, like, the comic book things, but yeah, yeah, Captain yeah. America I killed only because I remember watching the very first, uh, Avengers movie and just not liking him. Of the three, as actors as well, Chris Evans is my least favorite. If you ask me who my favorite was between Downey, Hemsworth, and Yeah, and he got, you could see, like, the evolution of their actual acting skills, because he got much better towards the end of it, where I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, I I like Captain America now. It's actually only Black Widow, who I really seriously dislike, and I think she's a terrible actress. But I think Scarlett Johansson sucks. What? I was not upset when she died at all. I, like, I kind of looked, and and my girlfriend got pissed off when I giggled. Because I giggled at that scene. I wasn't too invested in Black Widow as a character, but I think Scarlett Johansson's a great actress. Ooh, I disagree. <laughs> I just disagree with you. This is and this is another one of our segments, misogynistic trash talkers. But yeah, I just don't. Uh, I I don't find her to be a good actress. But as far as like the main characters go, yeah, I, I guess I would kill Captain America. And Thor is handsome. What a good looking dude. Except when he's fat, Thor. But yeah, I still I still would. I still would though. <laughs> Yeah, it's Fat Thor, I don't give a fuck. Wood, wood. Fat Thor, skinny Thor, muscular Thor. Thor without hair, Thor without beard. It's it's a win for me. There you go. But marry Iron Man, because even though Tony Stark probably will cheat on me, but it's fine. <laughs> it's cool. All right, last but not least, the big one, or he no, flex Jesus hack. Christ. Fucking hell. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I think I'm going to have to marry Joey. Because, I was ex- I was ex- expecting that. Yeah, man, he's done he's done too much good for me for too mm-hmm. many years. So that's that's number one right there. That's the main. Um, we're gonna fuck John because he'll let me play with his dog afterward. Oh, all right. And then, wasn't expecting that one. Yeah, and then we're gonna we're gonna kill Rust because then the, the number one spot's wide open. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking that when I was making this segment, and I was like, I think because again, or he with that smile, I'm like, God damn. What a handsome, what a handsome fellow he is too. What a but, handsome gen- yeah, what a handsome gentleman he is. But uh, yep. 
like, I was saying, like, but if we kill him, you know, we got a little... Me, because <laughs> 83 kilos is a shark tank anyway. Yeah. But I'm like, it's one oh, less nice. person to worry about. And then, you know, Hack is uh, 181 with the USAPL. I mean, uh, USPA. Um, yeah. But but if I was going to do this, yeah, I think I would agree with you. That's a hard one. And it's probably more insulting because you actually know these people and I don't. So me saying <laughs> any of this is kind of insulting to all of them. But, um, yeah, I, I like your list there. It's good. But I think all three of these people, or he, Hack... I think Orhi in particular is when I first started powerlifting. He was one of the main guys I saw. Him and Mason uh, Cabney. Cabney? Yeah, Cabney. Uh, the yeah. very first people I started following on Instagram. And I'm like, those guys are, like, one of the reasons why I'm, you know, in the sports. But That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Mason's Mason's my longest client. No shit. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I've been, yeah, I've been working with him since the beginning of 2015, so it's been, you know, a little over four years. Yeah, but, um, yeah, like your list. All right, so before we wrap up here, I realized something that I never noticed before. You're an aspiring actor or an actor? How do you want me to phrase that? You can say aspiring. I'm not going to be somebody who calls myself an actor until I get into shit for real. Okay, I like that. <laughs> so, um... We, of course, on Two White Lights, love to have you on again sometime. You were number one, or tied for number one, with Garrett Fear as biggest fan, or most fan request to be on Two White Lights. So, one, congratulations. It's a high honor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And two, I would love to have you in studio when you're coming in Raw Nationals and do a table read. All right. Yeah, I think I think it'll help your career. So, mm-hmm. love to have a table read. Let's do it. What scene? I'll be in... What scene? Yeah. What, oh, what should the table gonna... read scene be? That's tough, man. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to go through my, uh, I'm just going to do a deep dive and figure out what scene we're going to do because I, I have to put some thought into that. But All right. I'm definitely I'm definitely down to do that. I'll be, like I said, this, this whole prep is going to be the most free time I've had, so I'm going to spend a full... Probably the whole week of Raw Nats just in, you know, Illinois, so. Awesome. Um, and, of course, we would love to have you at Surge New Levels, get a training session in. It will be awesome to have you. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I'll absolutely be there. I'll definitely have, you know, probably three sessions or so to get done before Nats while I'm there for the week. For sure. Um, it was awesome having you on. Really happy to have you on. Hope to have you again. No, thank you, man. It was a, it was a pleasure. Good luck with everything, with your prep. Give this guy a follow on Instagram. You guys probably already do, considering he's a number one fan requested interview. But if you don't, if you're just, you, you slip through the cracks, give Hamstring a poppy follow. Follow his YouTube channel, too. YouTube channel's just Nori, N-O-R-I. That was my nickname growing up. Also mm-hmm. the first four letters of my last name. Also the name of a famous Puerto Rican rapper. I'm not Puerto Rican, though. Okay, yeah. don't know that guy. <laughs> don't don't know the Puerto Rican rapper you're referring to, but um, also you have a podcast as well, The Four Horsemen, correct? Yep. So that that is going to be, you know, now that you've brought this up, I really need to get on my shit and put it on Spotify. We've been uploading them to YouTube. Mm-hmm. I guess I assumed more people had YouTube Red than I thought. I guess fucking nobody has it. But... I did for a little bit, and then my credit card had fraudulent purchases on it, so I canceled, and then I just didn't bother yeah. re-upping it. Because there's so many times where I'll listen to, like, a song or a video or a podcast and, like, you close out of YouTube and it, you lose it. 
So I guess I assume more people were inconvenienced by that than I thought. So everything I need to upload on Spotify. But the Four Horsemen podcast, we just did our fourth episode this past Tuesday. Um, and those are all up on my YouTube channel. So you can check those out if you want to hear me, Joey Flex, John Hack, and Russell Orhe kind of shoot the shit and talk about both powerlifting and non-powerlifting related things. Yeah, it's also the topics you guys have. I'm interested to listen to that as well. Um, Spotify, by the way, much easier to get your podcast on. Uh, iTunes is a little bit more difficult. So. Gotcha. All right. So once again, thank you for uh, coming on Two White Lights. Hope to have you on again sometime, and good luck with everything. Thank you so much, man. Same to you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing you at, uh, at Raw Nationals. You're not competing before then, are you? Or are you? No, I'm doing a mock meet, actually, probably eight days from now. So we're recording this on a Saturday. Okay. Episode's going to drop on a Monday, so mock meet. And then That's three fun. weeks That's off. That's exciting. Then, yeah, it should be. Um, we'll see how it goes. It's mostly just to see where I'm at with the PH3. Um, yeah. I, I might discuss this on the show, but after Raw Nationals, unfortunately, I kind of had this I, good idea for once to get a coach, but it's a little bit too close to the prep season. So um, mm-hmm. after Raw Nationals, we'll be looking to, sorry to say, get away from the PH3 trainer and, you know, actually have someone guide me for once. Yeah, for sure, man. It's definitely worth it. For sure. All right. So we're going to go on to our segments. All right, welcome back. Thank you again to Mr. Noriega, Hamstring Poppy, Sean Noriega, for coming on the show. A show, again, sometime. Terrific interview with him. We got to do a table read, and we got to do it in the studio, too. So, again, thank you for, Sean, coming on the show. Now, on to segments. We have a Larry Wheels did something, and it's an unfortunate one. Larry Wheels tore his bicep doing a, I don't know, stone, atlas stone, Rays, I don't know what these things are called, but unfortunately tore his bicep of all those different Larry Wheels did something scenarios where he got arm whipped by a bar where his straps broke. The stones did him in. They uh, tore his bicep, won't be competing at his next strongman competition. We pull fun of Larry Wheels all the time. Actually, not really Larry Wheels, more so his fans, the wheelies, as Matt Wallace likes to put it. We poke fun of them all the time, but it's unfortunate to see anyone get hurt, especially in bicep tear. Could happen to any of us. Strongman is no joke. That training's difficult, so hopefully a speedy recovery to Larry Wheels. Not the first time he got hurt, so I think he'll be good. I think he'll be fine. And we are also going to go on Instagram Live. I'm going to answer some questions. I'm putting on my phone right now. Again, flying solo today for the segments part. My co-host Bane cannot be here doing some important things. So when I go solo, I use Instagram Live, have people either ask me questions, I ask them questions, and yeah, good segment on the show. People enjoy it. What's going on, guys? You are currently going to be on the segment of Two White Lights. Big Zach, what's up? And then other handles I can't read. Evan Cook, what's going on? Again, ask away. usually do this every Sunday anyway, regardless if I'm on two white lights or not. All right, 66kg, Adrian asks, yo, I have a big problem in my deadlift. Any tips to prevent hitching? Ooh, hitching. Hitching is something I have never really done. Um, I say lock out your hips first because when you hitch, I think your probably your glutes or lower back are a little weak. Lock out those hips, maybe do some... Actually, this is where block pulls can be uh, pretty advantageous for you. 
having you kind of lock out your deadlift at a certain point and get through any of those sticking points. Also, another good thing to help would be um, double pause deadlifts. So I think you've seen them before. Pause halfway through, then lock out. So that should prevent hitching because hitching, you're getting the weight off the floor, but you're kind of just trying to hitch the weight up, and that's usually due to a either a weak lockout or you hitting a sticking point midway through, which is where most people hit. Good question. Hopefully that answered it. Um, never really had a problem with hitching myself. Um, if I feel the way hitch, I'm just going to drop it. Nicholas Anderson, BTA. Uh, enjoy doing your podcast. I should drop soon. Preference on time in between meets. How do you peak and taper? Um, so preferences time in between meets. This has to do with just my goals for the year. So a lot of times I do nationals, then worlds, uh, when I was in AAPF and AWPC. So it was whatever time that took to uh, prep for the next meet. So usually I got like, luckily, 13 to 15 weeks, which is that sweet spot right in the point where I was going to start programming and then taper into a meet, uh, and then prep into a meet. But I think what a better suggestion is, do like three or three, four meets tops a year. I do two meets a year, um, two or three meets a year, do three or four meets a year. And then within those 365 days, you will, whatever rest period you get in between that is usually what I prefer. And how do you, how do you like to peak and taper? So for the PH3, you go through an overtraining block. For those who follow PH3, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Three weeks is like a three-week peak, really, where you're overreaching, and then you follow that overreaching phase into a taper, and then you max out. So I max out, or I test my opener six days out, have two more workouts, and then take around two or three days off, then I max out. So that's really how my um, peak and taper work. Good question. Is overhead press useless for powerlifting, or is that just a meme? Uh, I haven't seen that meme. No, I wouldn't say it's useless. It builds muscle. Uh, and it's a pushing motion that will help your bench press. So I don't think it's useless. I don't think there's a lot of things useless. You know? There's there's a good reason for everything. It could... I don't like doing them because it hurts my shoulders. I have my first competition in September, and it's my first time cutting weight. Any tips, though, it's only 5 to 8 pounds. I get a lot of weight cut questions. I think we have to do a show on this. This might be our next show topic is weight cuts because I don't do them. So I'm probably a really poor person to ask, but if it's five to eight pounds, just keep your weight manageable. And then typically people go through like a one or two week water cut. Five to eight pounds shouldn't be a an issue. And it's a, probably a good weight to start with if it's your first time cutting weight as well. Good question. Are you auditioning for the next pirate movie? Uh, yes. Uh, Johnny Depp is, I think, retiring, or at this point in my life, I think I'm better looking than Johnny Depp. He's getting a little up there, so, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, hopefully I'm the next Captain Jack Sparrow. Alright, we have somebody ask me to flex. Yeah, only, uh, only if you guys pay me. If you guys Venmo me some money, maybe. Alright, what's going on? That was a pretty funny question, Jack Turtle. Jack Turtle asked if I was auditioning for the Pirates movie. That was nice. Maybe that'll be me and Sean Noriega's table read. Something from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my god, I get this question so many fucking times. PL3GGS, opinion on SARMs and powerlifting. I don't know what SARMs are. I, like, what, like, be more specific. My opinion of it, what's, like, what, what do you mean? My opinion of it is, it probably helps. That's why people take them. 
Um, I advise against it. Especially, you know, it's like, SARMs are like the young person steroid. Uh, they want to take it because they think it's like a light version of Tren or other steroids. And I think a lot of 16 through 19 year olds, Larry Wheels fans, ask about them a lot. And they want, they want to take them and don't take anything at that age. Because you're probably not developed yet and you probably should focus on lifting weights more. So if you're that age, don't fucking worry about SARMs. Get stronger. All right, 19 Rivera. Pinching hip buttock area when squatting and deadlifting. Any suggestions to help? What do you mean by pinching? Does it hurt? Is like a pinching pain? I don't know what that means. Is it the top knot that gives you the Viking power? No. I don't have any Norwegian blood in me, so it doesn't give me any Viking power. Do you use squatting shoes? Watch my videos, dude. If you watch my videos, you'll probably see that I do use squatting shoes for every lift. Come on, smarten up a little bit. Benefits of lifting with a belt. It helps bracing. It helps keep things intact. Any tips on getting a bench from 120kg to 140kg for reps? Yeah, bench more. Like a little imbalance at the bottom of the squat, like loose tightness, and it's just uncomfy at the bottom. Never had trouble getting into the hole until now. Um, ooh, that's, all right, so thank you for specifying. Hmm, never really felt that myself. Yeah, I really can't really give you any really quick diagnosis for that. I apologize. Let's see, if it's pinching, I, I guess I could go with the classic, make sure your hips are firing beforehand, make sure that mobility work is working. Um, I would have to die, I would have to see your technique, I'd have to see your form on what's exactly going on. A lot of times with me, I was kind of good morning my squats up, uh, when I first started powerlifting, and that caused some issues, more in my hip, not exactly my ass, but it will be beneficial to stay as upright as possible while squatting. Good question though. Dila Fit asks, why is Neil the way he is? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I can only show respect to my burner account because my burner account really helps me dealing off with, or uh, fighting off trolls. But, um, I actually saw a four foot eight Filipino man driving today and I thought it was Neil and I waved to him and it wasn't Neil. It was just some random four foot eight Filipino guy. How about KD going to New Jersey? Whoa, whoa, Grant, you're way in the past. That is Brooklyn now. New Jersey Nets haven't existed in five years, and I, it was surprising. It was actually pretty cool to see, and I'm really, I love how big of a joke the Knicks are. And I'm sorry to two white listeners who don't watch basketball, but free agencies tonight are as I'm recording, and that was a pretty big news story that broke. But again, it's Brooklyn, and it was, it was surprising. I didn't expect that. Are you a fan of the NBA? If so, any thoughts on free agency? Um, I am kind of a fan of basketball. Um, not as much as the other sports, but I'm a big sports fan in general. And thoughts on free agency? It's it's been pretty. I, I love how big of a joke the Knicks are. That's that's my favorite part of free agency so far. And I don't hate the Knicks or anything. All right, cues to prevent hip shooting back in squat. Try sitting back at the bottom of my squat and keep moving more upright. That seems to help. And any cues you know of? Um, not exactly. I mean, I I've talked about this a lot with my hips and me trying to stay as upright with my elbows going under the bar and pointing my sternum up to the sky. Um, I can't really think of anything else. Really try to feel your... But, yeah, the cue that I give of staying upright with my elbows under the bar is the best one I got. All right, Ali is a Knicks fan. I'm sorry to be... I'm sorry you're a Knicks fan. That sucks. You excited to get Buffon back to Juve? Not as much as the other signings that they make. Buffon, he wants one more chance at the Champions League. Hopefully Juventus can give it to him. But, um... 
I'm more excited for the other signings because, let's face it, Buffon is not going to be much of a factor um, this year for Juventus. This is turning into sports talk. Do you have a preference of knee wraps or put on sleeves? Well, I've never used knee wraps, so obviously sleeves. Guess it's around the time I gave up on Bulls front office and stopped paying much attention. The Bulls front office is much better than the Knicks. Don't even compare the two. The Knicks are a fucking joke. The Bulls have been in the playoffs and had actual competitive teams. The Knicks have not been good since Patrick Ewing was on the fucking team. Alright, I'm not gonna... Yeah, that's that's way more science than I could have. So, uh, Nicholas Anderson is giving me some information on SARM, Selective, Androgen Receptor Modulator. Supposed to be a steroid compound that selectively boosts your androgen receptors themselves, or so they say, but there's no pure science on this. Yeah, and that's what I've heard of SARMs. Um, There's not a lot of reviews and studies going on for it, so I just don't suggest... I don't suggest people take anything, because I'm not saying don't take anything. I'm saying I don't know steroids. I don't know, like, a whole ton of information on supplements either. So I'm not going to suggest anything to you, because... Or, or, or the only thing I'll suggest is creatine. Really. Like, that's the only thing that I've, I've commonly used. Yeah. All right, so he just doesn't trust them. That makes sense. Uh, do you recommend unilateral work for hip shifts on the ascent of squats? Yes, I do. I've been doing a lot of them recently. Steffi Cohen released a really good video on that. Check it out. After finishing PH3, do you jump onto another cycle or do something else? To be less beat up than before. Yeah, kinda. So I will jump into my prep for a next meet after I'm done with PH3, but I'll usually take like three weeks off, do some hypertrophy stuff, try to fix certain things, say if, uh, work on that in like the three weeks that I have. So currently I'm going to max out next Sunday, like July 7th or some shit, and I will take three weeks off after that, and then towards the end of July I'm going to prep for nationals. And that answers another question, when's your next meet? USAPL Raw Nationals, October 16th through 20th. Alright, 21 years old and I also have this one girl, is that bad? No, that's awesome. Good job. Any thoughts on parents, parents forcing their children to take steroids to win competition in weightlifting? When the fuck does this happen? What? I don't... Thoughts? I, that's not good. Children? Like, who? Who are we talking about here? Like, how how old are they? Like, 25? Then it's kind of normal, I guess. Alright. Russia. Well, of course. Of course it's Russia. That's fine. Wait, is that actually a news story? I'll, I'll, I'll like, 10 to 13? This, if you want to DM me a news story, we can cover that next week with Bane. I think that'll be actually really funny. Yeah, I, yeah, DM me, like, if there's any news story on that, DM me, it, me maybe me and Bane could cover it. Uh, have you competed in federations that use 55-pound bars? If so, significantly thitter, thicker than 45-pound? I'm looking into competing in USPA, and I'm pretty sure they use one. Yeah, so on squats, I actually compete in APF, and they use a 65-pound bar. And that's really, really thick compared to that 55-pound uh, bar and 45-pound bar. Um, but it should not have a significant difference on your squat. It hasn't had it with mine. I mean, if you have to make some changes. I go a little bit wider with my hand placement on squat. And I also... Um, I also, I really don't change anything after that. It's really just hand placement thing. So I think you should be fine. Because I've trained with 45-pound bars my entire life, and then I jumped into APF for these 65-pound bars, and I was good. Squat shoes are flats on squats. Watch my videos, bud. Oh, yeah, dude, you're fine. If you slept with one girl by the time you're 21, you're fine. Congrats. 
The Dylan Briggs Two White Lives episode was the best. Thank you for thinking that. But we got Sean Noriega on the week this week, so I don't know, man. He could beat him. God, I gotta now answer sex questions. Jesus Christ. What do you work on when your sumo lockout is weak? Double pause. I don't have a weak lockout, but double pause sumo deadlifts. Pause at the midpoint and then lockout. How do I grow my arch on bench? Mm, I don't know. Uh, feet placement could help. Maybe your feet out a little bit in front of you. Yeah, people do like the thick bars. Um, I'm not a big fan of them. I like my 45-pound bars more, but at the same time, that's because I'm, that's what I grew up with. So that's the only real difference I have for that. But um, um, I, I with a 55-pound bar, you will be fine. Trust me. It's not going to cause that big of an issue. Um, and it's not going to fuck up your squat. All right. So questions seem to be decreasing. I'm going to go off Instagram Live. Thank you guys for filling in on the segment of Two White Lights. Whenever I'm flying solo, I like going on Instagram Live. They could be my co-host. Thank you for tuning in to Two White Lights this week. We're going to have another episode next week. Bane will be in studio. Looking forward to that. We're going to try to get another interview on as well. I am the co-host for me known as Enzo, and I'll see you guys next week. Deuces.